Sports are back. The Astros season is already a week and a half old. The Rockets are underway from the Orlando bubble. And you can read in-depth coverage of both teams, plus many others, on The Athletic. You're not going to want to miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. If you go to theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sign up now to see for yourself your creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. Again, that's theathletic.com slash Crawford Talks, the name of our podcast, without the word the, for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Welcome in to the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. After a weekend where the Astros take two of three against the Angels, barely, they're at five and four right now. And Jake, they're five and four. They could be seven and two, but I feel like this is about where they should be given how close the games have been and given the struggles of some of their key bats right now. Yeah, it feels like four and five, five and four is about how they've played. Um, but you're right. I mean, like if we're, you know, we can talk about all the pitcher injuries and how depleted their pitching staff is, and we will. But I think for both of us, the kind of the talking point of the first, is it nine games now, has been the top three batters in their order. Um you know, Springer and, and Bregman have, have come around a little bit over the weekend, but, um, you know, on the, on the, on the whole, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman and George Springer have not, um, you know, been hitting, uh, relative to what you would expect for those three. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Bregman comes into Monday hitting 211, Altuve's at 158, and Springer's hitting 182, which is actually much better you love than he batting was. average. Well, uh, I was gonna, I was I was actually debating it. I'm like, should I go with OPS? Well, let me go with batting average because when you look at the bat, <laughs> I'm actually not a huge batting average guy. But when you think about Jose Altuve hitting 158, I'm like, you know what? Let me just go with the batting average this time and see if Jacob objects or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of have to when it's such a small sample. Look at like I, I wrote I wrote down you know Altuve six for 38 with a homer and a double. Uh, Bregman's eight for 38 with two homers and two doubles and Springer's six for 33 with two homers. So um, if you think about it like that, you know, with the obvious caveat as it's an extremely small sample size, um, you know, I think, that, you know, that's maybe the best way to illustrate it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's been it's been not a total shock that any of those three is off to a slow start because, you know, with the short ramp up pitchers are always ahead of hitters like you would expect that several of their players would be behind some of the others but just to see their top three all um, off the slow starts at the same time is is a little more striking here for me is the lead why has Jose Altuve gotten off to such a slow start because the, the thing to me that that is a little bit alarming granted it's still quote-unquote early in the season, although they're <laughs> nearly one-sixth of the way through, is he, along with Martin Maldonado, leads the team in strikeouts. That is not a typical stat with Jose Altuve. And I, I just wonder, going back to our conversations in, in February, Jake, or in March, technically, when we started the podcast, 
Is the fallout from the sign-stealing scandal something that is weighing on the mind of Jose Altuve, or am I thinking about it too deeply? I think you're overthinking it. I, I, I mean, there's no fans in the stands, so if you're in the box thinking about, you know, some the sign-stealing scandal or um, anything about it, like, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think if there was fans in the stands, that would be a more like viable thing. Um, but like. They got all, I mean, like they're from this standpoint, like they have it easy, right? Because there's not fans in the stands. And I, you know, I haven't, it's hard to hear on TV, the piped in crowd noise sometimes, but you don't really hear booze very much from even the fake crowd noise. So um, (laughs) I think it's more just a small sample. He's off to a slow start. We've seen this before where he'll have stretches where he'll just like strike out a ton. I feel like that even happened in 2017 when he won MVP. It did. Um and it definitely happened early last year when he was struggling with the knee issue. I, I, I don't read too much into it because of how small a sample it is. If it, you know, if he gets to 70, 80 at bats and it's still the same, then yeah. But um, he has walked six times to, to balance out those 10 strikeouts a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's not hasn't been good so far, but uh, I feel I just feel like we've seen this many times before. Logically, I, th- I think you're, you're completely right. If the sign-stealing scandal had never happened, then all I would be saying right now is, man, it's a little weird that Altuve has struck out a lot in the first nine games of the season. That would be my take with with no further analysis than that. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a hitting coach, nor do I think hitting coaches are that important. But my my thought, Jake, watching the games is I always think when Altuve struggles uh, is when he starts to, you know, kind of struggle on the outside probably like on the outside part of the plate. Like he starts pulling stuff that I think he should, he should be trying to go the other way with. And then I feel like he's kind of forcing the issue. Like, because otherwise he is, you know, usually the best hitter on the team and he can spray the ball all over the place with power and quick hands, all that kind of stuff. Whenever I notice he struggled in the times that he has struggled in the last, you know, six or seven years, that's the kind of stuff that he'll usually be doing at the plate. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, and it has been a little striking to see the 10 strikeouts and 38 at-bats. That's not Jose Altuve-like. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, you look at Springer, like, his numbers were the worst of the three, and then he had a good game Saturday, and his numbers look a lot better. So yes. when it's such a, a small sample early in the season, you know, all it really takes is, like, one or two games to, to change it. Um, you know, Alex Bregman said after the game Sunday he's, his mechanics are off, and he's – you know, he said he felt better Sunday than previously, but he's still not quite there with his mechanics. We've I mean, seen that. Like we've it. seen that before too. You know, the slow start with him. Um, That's definitely true. Yes, and you and I we, we debated that. I think you know a week or two ago <laughs> is the slow start for Bregman in April the kind of thing that's going to replicate itself in late July, right? Yeah, he's he's always the guy. Like a couple months in, is gets into a groove and is much better than when he started. So. Um, I guess in a shortened season, there's a lot more urgency, but, uh, you know, not a total surprise there. Uh, and he's only struck out six times against six walks. So, um, you know, not too bad uh, overall. But, yeah, I don't I really don't think any of this is like sign stealing fallout related because, you know, they they don't have to deal with fan, rival fans in the stands. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine they're standing in the box versus these like random angels relievers thinking about <laughs> sign stealing in 2017. Um, I think there, I think it's just as simple as, you know, early season struggles, let the short 
spring training uh, or summer camp, whatever you want to call it. The Astros didn't play a ton of intra-squad games relative to some other teams. Maybe that was a mistake. Um, I don't know. They just didn't have, you know, these hitters just didn't see a ton of live pitching before the season. And the live pitching they did see, a lot of it was, uh, or a good bit of it was like the rookies who are now in their bullpen, right? Like, it's not like they're seeing... Justin Verlander every single day or, or Lance McCullers or Zach Greinke. There was, um, you know, it's kind of a, str- a spring training feel to those games. So there's a much different urgency in, in the regular season. I think the big thing for me, and I actually think the pitching staff, considering all the injuries, which we'll get into here in, in a few minutes, I think the pitching staff has actually largely done a, a pretty decent job through the first nine games of kind of hanging in there. When I look at the five and four record, I, I mostly bl- blame the bats because I focus on the Saturday game against the Angels. Of course, the Wednesday game against the Dodgers where they had so many opportunities to finish that off. And I just think there, there were too many chances. I mean, obviously, the, the, the Dodger game, strike uh, that's the one that kind of sticks out. But even the, ga- the game on Saturday where... They're able to take a lead in the top of the ninth inning. They can't finish it off, which I think they got unlucky with the Osuna injury. I think if he hadn't gotten hurt, they probably, even with a guy on second base, find a way to to seal up that win. But Yuli Gurriel is up with a guy on with guys on first and second. I think with nobody out, can't come through. And there were just too many of those moments, too many scenarios with runners in scoring position where the bats haven't gotten it done when you look at the overall season so far the nine games the middle of the order has been very good especially with with Michael Brantley who has just been excellent to Mm -hmm. uh, start the season but I think when you look at the quote-unquote long term assuming they can get these 60 games in uh, they're going to need to have the bats carry them at times like they're going to need to put up eight, nine, ten runs in some of these games with the uncertainty of the pitching staff. And while you can look, are they leading the league in runs right now? I need to, I need to double check that because, I mean, if they are, I still don't think the offense is good enough because it's largely been the production against uh, the Mariners that I think is carrying that stat. Yeah, and you're right about the runners in scoring position, which is another thing we've seen before, right? That I, I recall that being a thing last year at stretch for stretches. Um, yes. You know, and overall, they're only about 10% below average with runners in scoring position right now. Um, but you're right. Like, it, it feels like in the last two series, in the biggest spots, they haven't come through. Um, I think, that, you know, if, if this team wants to win the AL West, I think they have to have, like, a top three offense, right? Like, maybe, yeah, top, maybe top five. But, like, they're going to have to hit a lot because of the pitching. So, um, I don't think the pitching... You know, it has, you're right. It has done, it has performed probably better than we expected, given all the injuries. But I don't know if it's sustainable. So yeah, I think they're going to have to hit a ton to live up to um, you know their status as kind of the AL West superpower. So I was let's see. I'm looking at the stats now. The Astros, as of our recording on Monday, 52 runs, which does lead the American League. They're behind the Padres, Braves, and Dodgers, all of whom are obviously National League teams. So right now. They are the best run-producing team in the American League. But honestly, to, to my standard and to what you just mentioned, where they need to be, I think they, they need to be better. And specifically, Bregman, Springer, and Altuve need to be better. Yeah, how many of those runs were in the Mariners series? Let's see. They scored 8, 7, 6, and 8. Um, and then they scored 9 in that Angels game. Yeah, um, I mean, those, those five games, yeah. But, like, the Angels can't pitch either, right? <laughs> so... 
Um, Their bullpen's a mess. So maybe the two runs in each game against the Dodgers is more telling of like what they need to, you know, they need to improve. Um, You know, we'll see this week. They play three games against the Diamondbacks, who are pretty good, I believe, at pitching. I haven't studied them a ton. I think their issue is hitting. And then Oakland, who is obviously their biggest rival in the division. So maybe we'll learn more this week about their offense. But of course, then after that, they go Giants Mariners. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. For what it's worth, the Astros do have the uh, one of my favorite stats. They do have the best run differential in the American League West. They are the only team in the positive category at plus 11. Everybody else is, is in the negatives right now. Interesting. Yeah, Again, I, I have small I, sample I, size. I think, I think my Rangers prediction was wrong. Well, let, yeah, they're, they're three and seven. Um Excuse me, they're three and five. I don't know what the heck I was looking at. Um, obviously, <laughs> they, they had the injury with Kluber. Kluber. They lost Leclerc. Yeah, they, yeah that's a big deal. Uh, but I, I was opt- I was relatively optimistic about them too, and that has not been the case through nine games. Yeah, and I don't. And I the Angels like Otani is you know walking everyone, and now might be injured, and then um, you know I just don't think they have enough. Like their closer is clearly an issue right now with Robles. Yep. Um, they kind of look like they'll be slightly better because they have Rendon, but like ultimately, it's kind of the same old Angels to me, right? It's it's. I've said this before, Jake. It's. I don't think it's a well designed baseball team. You got a couple stars. Um, you have a a leaky bullpen. Um, Griffin Canning obviously gives them a lot of hope, but I don't think the pitching is good enough, and I just don't think it's a well established franchise right now. And if, if anybody's actually talking about the Angels, like, on the radio, which I don't know if people actually are, but this Otani thing has to become a bigger issue, especially with this MRI, because they need to figure out what exactly he is. Because they can't have him just be, you know, out for stretches and stretches of time because of both things that he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, it was not pretty yesterday. I mean, that Sunday game was pretty brutal to watch, if we're being honest. Like, <laughs> oh, it was absolutely yes. I was thinking, like, man, I really miss sports, but God, this is a brutal baseball game. I yeah, mean, when's the basketball forever. start? Was what I was thinking. Um, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, walks all over the place. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't know. Like after a, a week and a half, I kind of feel like it's still the Astros and still the A's, right? Like, you know, we thought the wrestling division was gonna be better, and maybe it will be slightly better, but I think at the end of the day, it's still. Still, those two teams that are really the uh, the the darlings of the division that that you know will be in one two at the end of it. Jake, let's take stock of the pitching staff, and the reason why is because Monday is an off day for the Astros, which I think was a was and is a desperately needed off day. They just had, had an off day Thursday. Can we stop with this narrative of they definitely they desperately needed an off day? I've seen that a lot. Des- they they still, just had one. They desperately needed it. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Taylor pitched two games in a row. They they desperately need an off day. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, McCullers didn't go deep, and Josh James didn't go deep into the game on Sunday. They desperately needed an off day after an off day on Thursday. I don't know what, what else to tell you. All right. Well, they're not going to have another one for a bit after this, right? So um, I think it's a week. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a week plus. I do think we have to give credit where credit's due here before we get into the taking stock of the pitching staff. Uh, really smart decision by by Brent Strom and Dusty Baker to use Framber Valdez on Sunday because of the two off days, uh, yes. Thursday and and today Monday because they literally can just start everyone else in the rotation on regular rest and not have to like manipulate anything. 
Um, that made a lot of sense, yeah, especially I didn't even, with the way things turned out. I didn't even think about it before the game, but it, it sounds like they came into the weekend with that plan and um you know, that was the difference in the game on Sunday, right? If they if they just went straight bullpen, they probably don't win that game. Completely ab- absolutely correct. And Framber Valdez gave them an excellent effort in in relief and he's been a bright spot so far with his two outings. So with all the injuries they've had, Verlander, Osuna right now with the MRI, Davinsky, Biagini, Brad Peacock, and Austin Pruitt, the latter two of whom have just not been available. Uh, Ryan Presley's pitched once. I, I just wanted to take you know some time during this episode, Jake, to kind of take stock of where exactly the pitching staff is. What's the one through five, and what is the bullpen, and who are the guys they trust in the bullpen? So with the rotation, let's start there. Uh, McCullers, I think, has not been as good as his exhibition start two weeks ago in Kansas City would have indicated, but I I don't know that that's a long-term issue. I mean, (laughs) they desperately need him to come through. So Lance, Zach Greinke was much better on Saturday than than he was in his first game. That was a real bright spot for them. So those are clearly the one-two. Then, tell me if you disagree. I think at this point... Are you saying McCullers is the one over Greinke? I'm not, no, I'm not saying he's the one. The, That's bold. With the way they've structured it, he's like he's ahead of him in the order. But obviously, Granky is, you know, he has the far better resume, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, if we're going like nominally, I would say Granky, McCullers, Valdez, Javier, James, right? Yeah. So with the three and four, Valdez and Javier at this point have to be in the rotation. They just have to be in the rotation, right? Yeah, I think Josh James does too. Like, I don't, I don't think there's an alternative unless you want to go, you want to put even more stress on the bullpen and do an opener bullpen game situation. But I'm not sure that's a good idea until you start getting Davinsky, Biagini, those type of guys back. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if we can just talk for a moment about the three and four, um, that, what's interesting about to me about Fromber is always that he he's got the highest spin rate in the league, and I think that was the case in 2019. Um, sometimes his inconsistency can drive can drive you crazy. The first two showings have been very good. Between you know the velocity's been pretty good, the curveball thing has been working, and Javier I think might be the most interesting starter they have right now, given his background, where he came from, and just how well he pitched against the Dodgers. I'm eagerly looking at his at his next start uh, on Tuesday, but. Those are your three and four guys at this point, barring whatever's going to happen with Justin Verlander. Yeah, for sure. Um, Valdez looked really good on Sunday. I thought he got away with a lot in his first start. There was a lot of hard contact against the Dodgers that went right at defenders. Um, But he's always had the stuff. I mean, he throws hard. It moves a lot. His curveball is really good. If he's in the zone enough, which he has been so far... He's a major league starter for me, I think. Okay. Um, and Javier, yeah, you're right. He is super interesting. We've talked about him a good amount here. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to make too much out of one start, but he did look really good. I think his command was better than expected um, against the Dodgers, and we'll see if that continues. Um, yeah, and I, they need those guys, right? I mean, like... Even even Grinky and McCullers, like ha- you know, you could poke some holes there too. Like Grinky's was great on Saturday, um, 
but even he lamented his velocity after the game, right? Like it's not, he's a couple miles an hour shy of where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and McCullers like keep an eye on the curveball, like the velocity on his curveballs down three or four miles an hour this year. So, hmm. um, you know, I, I think he's, I don't think it's been an issue yet per se, but something to, to monitor going forward. Like, I think there's, there's stuff to watch with all four of the, all five of these guys really. I, I almost think that it's more, uh, I'm almost at this point more focused on, can they get somewhat deep into these games then can they find a way to give up like one or two earned runs? If that makes any sense to you, Jake, like <laughs> they just, they need more innings out of the starting rotation. Um, even if it's like, you know, putting together an average star for five or six innings. Like, I think that's what they need. We've, we've seen through the first nine games, just too many starts that are going two, three, four innings, which is taxing a bullpen that is just full of rookies, which brings me to Josh James, who. I thought was relatively dreadful on Sunday. I thought he was bizarrely overly positive after the game, talking about how he only gave up one hit. Like, dude, you walked six guys. I mean, and I I really liked Josh James two years ago. When he came on in relief, I thought he was a real weapon for them. Um, but he has to find a way to command his pitches more and I know that the common refrain after this weekend is going to be well Josh James is just not a starter and he should be in the bullpen maybe maybe he's a long reliever maybe he's in the wrong role I don't exactly know but Jake if he can't command his pitches I don't know how I'd be comfortable with him in any role at this point yeah it's a good point and you know maybe the starting role letting him work it out there is the best way to get him on track because he's getting more reps right um yeah, he's been, you know, I've been surprised at how, you know, his his lack of strikes. I mean, that's been the big issue, right? Like, it, he just needs to be in the zone, and he hasn't been. Um, you know, with his 96, 97, like, he doesn't need to be pinpoint command within the zone. It just needs to be in and around the zone, and he hasn't. He just hasn't done that. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I wouldn't read into too much about post-game comments. Like, guys just want to be positive, I think, and take away whatever helps them get to the next start. But, um, yeah, I don't know how many more more of those he can afford. Maybe I would guess two or three uh, because there's no alternative at the moment. But There's just no option. Yeah, yeah. like, also, like, I mean, Brent Strom put in a ton of work with Josh James in the offseason and in spring training. I, I think two starts is premature to pull the plug and you know, the upside is so immense that if they figure it out, like, you know, it's, it's a huge deal. So I think he'll get more chances. Um, you know, unfortunately for him, his next start will come against the A's. So that's a tough matchup. And, uh, I think that'll be pivotal for pivotal for him in terms of like, does he, is this, uh, something that's going to work out or is he, is he, you know, going to end up in the bullpen again? Okay, so you think he basically right now has, let's say, two or three more stars before they have to reevaluate exactly where they are right now. With yeah, him. unless some like magical starter appears in the waiver wire, right? Like I just, yep. you know, everyone needs pitching right now. That's why it's so hard for teams to like improve their depth because every team's in a similar position um, with all these pitcher injuries. And so, like, I, I don't think there's going to be a trade happening on, like, a meaningful trade happening on August 3rd. Uh, you probably got to get closer to the deadline. And I think so, too. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I just don't see what the alternative is um, at this point. I mean, 
thinking through their bullpen, I guess you could give Brandon Belak a shot maybe at some point, but I don't know if they're there quite yet. I think that would be, yeah, I think that's the one guy out of the bullpen that I look at and say, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he could start, but if he's starting, I'm thinking like, all right, can I, can I get, you know, four innings out of him as opposed to, can he go deeper into these games? That, honestly, looking at this bullpen, that's, that's the only guy who really stands out as far as can he be a, a starting pitcher? Yeah. And only Paredes was a starter in the minors, but, um, with the con- control issues or control questions and the high effort delivery on his uh, smaller frame, I don't really see him as a starter. I agree. Um, he 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 has the he seems to have the, the reliever, yeah, build if you will. Yeah. So yeah, I I guess Belak is a viable alter- alternative. Maybe maybe that's the solution. But I, I because of like like Brent Strom working so hard with Josh James and really hyping him up. Right. Remember a few weeks ago. I th- yeah, who's the hype man? I, I think he'll get uh, James will get uh, more more chances. Let's take okay. So basically, at least for now, Granky, McCullers, Valdez, Javier, Josh, James. Big questions about what James is going to do and can Javier keep this up? Bullpen, Jake. Where are we at with the bullpen? He, here's one thing I know. Uh, the last move I think that Jeff Luno made as Astros GM was trading for Blake Taylor. And that seems like that was a real fine because he has been without question their best reliever. Uh, he's a lefty out of the bullpen, uh, which they haven't really had much in the last couple of years. He's got velocity and he was able to close it out against his hometown team, uh, on Sunday. So that was nice to see for him that that's the one guy I've really been impressed with out of the bullpen. He has been their best reliever. Austin Prue would like a word about Jeff Luno's last transaction. That's right. Yes. I think Blake I was Taylor is second to last. Second to last. Okay. I think I could be wrong there. I should I should do some research on that. But yeah, you're right. He has been their best reliever. He's been much better than I think anyone expected as a guy who barely pitched in AAA before this year. Um, it's like really good stuff, too. You watch it. It's like. Yeah, 94, 95 with some cutting movement. And then the slider is pretty good, too. Um, And he's working on a changeup. We'll see if he breaks that out much in games. But, you know, also, I think what's impressed me with him is his ability to go multiple innings. Um, You know, that's been huge for them. So they're going to need a lot more of it. I don't know, um, you know, how much more you can ride him for these multi-inning stints before he, you know, runs out of gas. But, yeah. yeah, right now, like their their best trio in the bullpen is Ryan Presley, who, as you mentioned earlier, has pitched a total of one time in nine games. Um, Blake Taylor, and I would say Cy Sneed is the is the third guy. So Cy, okay, so Cy Sneed's your third guy. Sneed has been on in relief in in two of these extra inning losses, but I don't, I don't really blame him as much, um, especially for the for the Dodgers thing. I mean, I think that was his third inning, gave up the home run to right field. Um, but I think he had done his job in the first two innings. I, I clearly blame the bats for that loss. And then I thought he got a little unlucky on Saturday when Dustin Garneau. Uh, you know, couldn't catch a ball that was upstairs that I thought mm-hmm. he he should have been able to reel in. I thought that was a, that was a poor job there, just on that on that that execution wise. Yeah, I, I think Sneed has some ability. Um, I'm still not exactly sure how good he is. Okay, so you would go. That's that's your trio: Presley, Taylor, and Sneed right now. Yeah. Okay. You got me off on a, a thinking about a tangent though. Yeah, go ahead. Is it fair for the extra inning stats to count for the pitchers when they start with a runner on second base? 
Well, I, I think you can evaluate their performance. I'm not going to kill them for. No, no, I'm not. They have a, I'm saying in general. Like I was just thinking, like Sai Snead's ERA, yeah, has an extra well, run on it because of these rules. I think though, if the first, if the guy on second scores, I don't think that's an earned run. Oh, it's not. Okay. I believe it's actually not an earned run. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, I should probably yeah, it, I should it, probably it, know what I'm talking about before I bring things up. No, that that that's okay. I'm <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked that that I, that I know something that you, that you may not have known. I, I don't know how I don't know how that happened. Um, but I I agree with you in principle. Yes, that they should not be that they should not be harmed for that. Um, it's it, it's weird watching these these extra inning games. Um, I I, I don't know what to I don't know what to make of the runner on second base yet. Um, I'm. I'm open to it, and yet it feels like when a team takes the lead, it's a little too easy, easy to tie it up again. And you know, it's I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but no, I think I think Snead ideally would be like your sixth or seventh reliever. But that's yeah, you know, that, that's what I was thinking when I was talking. I'm like, man, if Cy Snead is one of your top three guys out of your bullpen, that's a weird place to be. Yeah, I mean, um, he's going to give up. He's he's prone to home runs. Um, yep, but he's got okay stuff. Like his cutters is is pretty good. Um, and he's he throws strikes, which is why the Astros have always liked him. Um, yeah, I, I'd say after those three, you're looking at like Andre Scrub and Oli Paredes. Um, well, I would say I, I, I would do this though. Actually, after those three, I'll put Paredes and Belak in a boat together, if you will, uh, because I think both are relatively young. They have. I think Belak seems to have an interesting delivery. Paredes obviously has good stuff. I want to kind of see more out of those guys. I want to see what they can do over these next couple of weeks. Okay. I think I think past those five, I have no idea what I'm going to get out of anybody else. Yeah. Belak and Paredes, I, I have at least seen enough to where I'm like, I'm kind of intrigued and I want to see more. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Andre Scrub's been a little um more interesting than i expected him to be like his curveball's pretty good but yeah you haven't seen enough yet um by any means um brandon bailey is kind of just there to pitch you know in long relief in in lopsided games ditto for nivaldo rodriguez although both have been needed in closer games um <laughs> yeah then they have uh carlos sanabria and umberto castellanos who haven't Gotten into a game, um, you know, I, I disrespected them a couple of weeks ago by calling. I think I said they were just guys um, when they were added to the taxis, the, the satellite roster. And now they're on the major league roster, which is um, not a great look for me. Um, sorry to those guys. Uh, but they were on the taxi squad to Anaheim. So that's why they get the first chance of being added on the roster when guys go down on the road. So we're seeing the taxi squad in action already. Um I feel like we're missing one or two guys, maybe not, but yeah, it, I'm looking at it right now. I think I think we've got everybody. So w when I look at this bullpen, I, I just think <laughs> one of the reasons I wanted to do, to do this taking stock is because <laughs> another reason why this second off day in, in five days or whatever, four days, five days is desperately needed is like I, I just think they need to get Presley healthy and. I, I guess we're not even honestly at that point where you're like, what's your ideal sixth, seventh, and eighth? Because I don't know enough of what's going to happen with the starters to even get to that stage. I, I think Dusty Baker is just living basically game by game, essentially. Def he definitely is. If you ask him who his next game starter is, he, he usually punts on the question <laughs> in some shape or, or form. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's for, we should talk about Presley a little bit. It sounds like he's healthy. Like he's he downplayed this blister or cut, whatever it was on his thumb. He said it doesn't actually touch the baseball or affect how he's throwing the baseball. Yeah. So he said Correa noticed he was bleeding, and that's why the trainer came out. Um, but but <laughs> at, but at the same time, like we've only seen him once in nine games. Like he has to, as, and he clearly wasn't available on Sunday with back to back. So like he they need him. Yeah, they need him to like be the dude um and if he is like that's a huge deal right because he's their best reliever when he's on so yeah i mean if osuna is out for any length of time you can have ryan presley as your closer very credibly and then if blake taylor keeps pitching around the level he's pitching now and you can mix and match the other guys then the bullpen you can kind of survive for a while like this um but you you need ryan presley like we're at the point where they need him to Get healthy slash be healthy and to pitch well. No doubt. Yeah. So this week is supposed to be when rosters drop down to 28. Um, yeah, that cannot happen. I'm just going to go on the record like that. I don't even think that is an option to go down to 28. And I am I am at the point, Jake, where I'm not even willing to like consider the opposing arguments. Yeah, like it should almost be adding two guys at this point. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, the Astros are having these issues. I imagine across baseball, teams are having issues as well, particularly with the, with the pitching situation right now. Yeah, I mean, I think the Royals, not that they're a great comp for the Astros, but like, I think they started a guy who was like in high A last year, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, like, there's a lot of this going around, um, a lot of weirdness. I think the rosters should stay at 30 for the foreseeable future. Um, I almost think it's inevitable, right? Like, we'll probably hear right after we finish recording that that's going to happen this week. But um, I agree. I think, I think it has to be 34. All all sixty games. I think it just has to be. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not going to be good for those teams that just had a week off, right? Like the start and stop for these pitchers is really dangerous, mm-hmm. and um, like the Phillies are supposed to play Monday, and they haven't played since it will be their first game in eight days. Like, if you're a pitcher and you can't access the park on most of those days, like, what are you doing? Like, how do you? Like, how is this healthy? <laughs> Well, it's very clear to me that it's not, and not that, you know, from an Astros standpoint, can we trace the Verlander injury, the Osuna injury, Davinsky, Biagini to a shortened summer camp? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not 100% sure, but the more injuries that they have, the more I feel like, man, ramping up with three weeks probably wasn't a great idea, and especially if you look across baseball, whether it's Corey Kluber, um, whether it's Otani on Sunday... Yeah, Strasburg as well. It seems like that was not a great idea, to say the least. Yeah, we're really seeing, you know, we all complain about spring training being so too long, but like we're finally seeing why it's six weeks or seven weeks, right? Like this is why. Yep. It's, it's not for the hitters. It's for the pitchers. I agree. Um, and hopefully MLB learns a lesson from this because there was people saying this even before they struck a deal, right? That like they needed a month at least. And that was yes. even light. And now... You know, the, it was not only three weeks, but many guys were late because of intake and process and all that stuff. So, um, you know, around the game. So it's not like everyone had three weeks. Some guys had two weeks, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just not it, it really it doesn't help the whole narrative about like being a credible season and, and competitive integrity and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and you look at the Astros. I mean, over those three weeks, what do they have? At least three missed workouts that you and I were, were talking about. And yeah. you just have to wonder if that kind of thing factors in to the ramp. I mean, uh, Osuna, 
what was a bizarre one. We talked about this. Like Osuna was basically doing long toss and there were questions about his readiness. Then all of a sudden he's thrown into these games. He pitched two innings against the Dodgers and then he just kind of randomly gets hurt on Saturday during the middle of an inning. And it just kind of makes you wonder. Two innings surprised me when he when they brought him for two innings, given that he was barely yeah. ready for the season. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Wh- where are we at right now, Jake, with Jordan Alvarez and Jose Urquidy, who were not available for the first week of the season as far as they weren't actually with the team in general? Yeah, they're both working out on at Corpus Christi. Um, you know, Dusty Baker said on Saturday that Urquidy was ahead of Alvarez and then insinuated or on Friday, he said that. And then on Saturday, insinuated the opposite. So who knows? But um I think they're both kind of around the same point, maybe. I, obviously, a hitter should take less time than a pitcher to ramp up, but my gut tells me that the Astros will probably bring up Urquidy when he's at like four innings, 65 pitches, and let him work into the full starter workload as he goes because they they just desperately need him. Um, so that's kind of where those guys are. They're they're in Corpus. You know, those guys in Corpus, they're playing intra-squad games, not every day, but but some days. Uh, I'm not sure if those guys have gotten into intra-squads yet, but um, they're moving along. Um, you know, and then Dusty Baker revealed over the weekend that Forrest Whitley is also dealing with an arm thing, um, which helps explain why, you know, he wasn't on the taxi squad, why... Andre Scrub and Carlos Sanabria and Umberto Castellanos are getting added before he does. Um, you know, they need they need people who are, who they can rely on to give them innings. And if Whitley's uh, banged up and or, you know, not throwing more than one or two innings, then he's not really a, a feasible option. So Whitley has been shut down right now, and they're just going to wait and kind of see. Yeah, I think he's getting checked out, um, and they'll see what, what, what happens. But... Um, they don't really have any, you know, like if you look at the taxi squad or the, I keep messing up the, the terminology, but the alternate site roster, um, there's not that many arms that should be ahead of him at this point, right? He kind of missed another opportunity here. Yep. Um, now they have, now they have Hector, I think, is it Hector Velasquez? Um, uh, so, who'd they trade for last week? Yeah, Hector Velasquez, yes. And, and then basically, Fernando Rodney. Yeah, they got to wait on uh, old Fernando Rodney to get himself ramped up, so so we can <laughs> so we can watch him work. Yeah, which, which will be interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, at this rate, both those guys will be up at some point, right? Like, absolutely. I mean, they they are literally they're exhausting any possible option they can have as far as guys who viably can be up on a major league team. That that's basically where they're at, right? Yeah, and like we haven't heard much uh, updates on like Biagini or Peacock yet. Pruitt was shut down as well, so he's yep. not looking like a real option for this year, at least. Um, I mean, Brad Peacock would be a really nice option for this team to have, because when he's healthy, he can go multiple innings. Um, you know, he's got the slider. Uh, like, I think about Brad Peacock as I'm watching this team every day, and it's almost like, man, Brad Peacock would be would really be a godsend right now. Right. Like, that's that's the level I've gotten to at this point. He would be like their setup man, right? Like, <laughs> he might be their setup man. Yes, exactly. Um yeah, and we should, I would expect more information on Osuna on Tuesday because the Astros are off Monday. Um, he was sent sent back to Houston for an MRI. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's just not much else coming on the pitching department unless guys get healthy. I think Urquidy is probably the number one improvement they can make to their roster before the trade deadline or before yes. before you know the days before the trade deadline. Like in the next three weeks or, or four weeks, Urquidy is the best internal improvement they can have. So no doubt, he's, he, and, he's the guy to keep an eye on. I agree with you, and I think you explained it well. I was reading late last week about how Dusty Baker was saying, well, Urquidy, if he's going to be a starter, is a month away. If he's going to be a reliever, he's maybe two or three weeks away. I think you put it well. You know what? Whenever he's ready to pitch three or four innings, just bring him up to, to the big league team because then he can work his way up as they will need him in those innings of relief. And then if he does build himself up to five or six innings, okay, then they can think about putting him in the rotation. But I think they need him more now than for him to build himself up to a six inning guy. I think they should just start him for you know a short start rather than put him in the bull. If Josh James continues to struggle, I guess is the caveat, right? That makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Like just start him and say you're you're max at sixty five pitches, right? Like, yep. And then you know James can be available in relief or B lack or whatever. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they did that. Jake, I wanted to take a moment. Uh, you. Uh, co-wrote a story that published on Monday, and it involves the Diamondbacks series that we're going to have coming up here on Tuesday after, again, a desperately needed off day Whatever. for the Astros <laughs> on Monday. What what did you write uh, along with the Diamondbacks sweater uh, that people can check out on The Athletic? I just want to point out, they only have like four more off days the rest of the year, so... Um, and maybe all of them will be desperately. They better get used to this. Um, yeah. yeah. So Zach Buchanan, our Diamondbacks writer, uh, him, him and I, we teamed up on a kind of a look back a year later at the Granky deal. Um, you know, it timed up really nicely because the two teams are playing this week for the first time since the trade. It's a year later. Um, you know, Granky should be in line to start Thursday's series finale. His his Diamondbacks replacement, Madison Bumgarner, is starting on Tuesday. So we just kind of went through um, back and forth. Like, do we feel any, you know, how do we feel about the trade a year later? How should the teams feel about the trade a year later? Um, I thought it was an interesting conversation, and I hope people uh, enjoy it. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be some takes in the comment section uh, about the trade. But um, I think both of our takeaways ultimately were, were still to be determined to an extent because, Really, Corbin Martin is the wild card there. He's obviously not going to pitch in this series. He's not up yet. Yep. Back from Tommy John. But Zach Buchanan says there's an absolutely a chance he comes back at some point this year. And um, interesting. Yeah, that surprised me. And, you know, he could be, you know, a mainstay in the Diamondbacks rotation for the next six or seven years. Make sure you guys check that out on The Athletic. Who won the Zach Granke trade with our own Jay Kaplan and Zach Buchanan? This has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks. We're back on Thursday uh, during the middle of the aforementioned Diamondbacks series. Thank you so much for tuning in. He's Jay Kaplan. I'm Mike Meltzer. This has been the latest episode of the Crawford Talks, an Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs>